This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co director of charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital, Katie Atkinson. Greetings, Katie. Hello, Keith. How are you? Great. How about yourself? I am wonderful because you're here. Oh, and... And... and because the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news about how Lord earns her first number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. And she marks the third straight woman to lead the list in as many weeks, which perhaps surprisingly isn't exactly a common feat. We'll tell you all about this in just a little bit. Uh, And keeping the girl power vibe going, we've got two interviews on today's show with a pair of rising singer-songwriters, both of whom happen to be women, Ruth B. and Allie X. Ruth B. broke through a little over a year ago with her viral hit-turned-chart smash, Lost Boy, and now she's back with her debut full-length album, Safe Haven. Meanwhile, pop shoppers are probably already familiar with Allie X, as she co-wrote half of Troy Sivan's debut full-length set, Blue Neighborhood. Now she's got her own brand new album, Collection 2, which is garnering rave reviews. So, stay tuned for our chats with both ladies in just a little bit. But first, but before first. we get started... <laughs> If you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or at KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Alrighty, let's run the Billboard chart numbers into the chart chat. Chart chat, chart chat, chart chat. Not a real song. No, not not, <laughs> not a real song. Keep moving. Well, all hail our Lord. Yes, Lord puns. Uh, the singer-songwriter earns her first number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart as her second full-length studio efforts, Melodrama, arrives atop the list. It follows her debut album, Pure Heroin, which peaked at number three back in 2013 and spent more than 100 weeks on the chart. The new album was led by the single Greenlight, which hit the top 20 of the Billboard Hot 100 back in March. 
And uh, her first album, on the other hand, spawned the inescapable number one hit, Royals, which ruled the Hot 100 for nine weeks. So even though Lord has yet to find a certified smash single from the new album, the set is still off to a sturdy start. Indeed. Um, Katie, did you know that with Lord topping the chart, we've had three women in a row hit number one? Yes, I can believe it. I believe that it went Halsey. And then Katy Perry, and now Lord. That's right. That's right. And you know, uh, this leads me to talk about the chart stat of the week. Oh. Uh, as as Katie just said, uh, Lord follows Katy Perry's witness, which itself bumped Halsey's "Hopeless Fountain Kingdom" from number one. So the last time we actually had three albums in a row at number one by women was in late 2012. Wow. When um, Rihanna's apologetic, no, unapologetic. She's not apologetic. Yeah. She's unapologetic. I wrote apologetic. I'm like, there is no way Rihanna's <laughs> Rihanna's like, sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry for this album. Yeah, she is not recording any song called Sorry. Um, when Rihanna's unapologetic <laughs> debuted at number one on the December 8th, 2012 dated chart, followed by, in the next week, Alicia Keys' Girl on Fire, which debuted at number one. And then a week later, Taylor Swift's Red returned to number one for its fourth non-consecutive week at number one. So this uh, might make you wonder, well, when was the last time that we had three albums by women in a row at number one that were not, like, returning to number one? Because that Taylor Swift thing is kind of like... A technicality. Technicality. So... That was actually back in 2009, when that September, uh, Reba's, or Reba McIntyre. Friend of the podcast. Oh, wait, um, we didn't have her on. Nope. <laughs> I just talked to her last nope. year. Katie. She, just a friend of Katie. She, 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 <laughs> very lovely lady. How did she start the conversation? Katie, it's so beautiful here in Nashville. The leaves are falling. <laughs> so, it's like, it definitely an autumn interview. <laughs> yeah, it was a very autumnal interview. But evidently, she's like an incredibly lovely, warm, oh, nice lady. Of course. Um, anyway, so Reba... <laughs> as we just call it, Reba, um, her album Keep On Loving You debuted at number one on the September 5th dated chart back in 2009. The next week, uh, Colby Calais' Breakthrough debuted at number one. And then the week after that, Whitney Houston's I Look To You debuted at number one. So the last time that we had three albums in a row by women go to number one for the first time. Eight years ago. Oh, yeah, I guess you... Eight years ago. Yeah, it was September 2009, 10, 11, 12, Almost one, eight years ago. Yeah? Yeah, eight years ago two mo- in two months, three wow. months. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that is that is crazy. That is crazy. And that was your chart stat of the week. Well, now it's time for our first interview in this girl-powered edition of the podcast. 21-year-old Ruth B. recently stopped by the office to talk about her new album, Safe Haven, how her life has changed since her breakthrough hit Lost Boy last year, her songwriting process, why it was important for her to completely write her new album on her own, and how she's already thinking about her next album. Which is hilarious. <laughs> she's like, is your, oh, come on, next album. I'm like, girl. <laughs> Take a break. Come on now. <laughs> so here's our interview with Ruth B. And you better treat me like a dumb princess. Make that an empress because I'm so dumb. Well, welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, Ruth B. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I am just swell. Uh, Thank you for coming in. You must be very, very busy right now because you just released your debut full-length album. Yeah. 
Oh, safe haven. Yes, I know. It's been crazy. Finally, it's out. I've been living with it for a couple years now, so I'm excited to have it out and let people have it. You know, it was only a year ago. I, I just checked this. It was a year ago in May when Lost Boy hit the top 40 of the Billboard Hot 100 chart. And since then, or in total, it has actually accumulated like 200 million on-demand streams in the U.S. Whoa. So 200 million times this song <laughs> and video has been played. What has been the, the biggest change in your life since the success of Lost Boy? Wow. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, Lost Boy, just that song has changed my life the most. Um, I guess the most different is now that, I mean, I do music all the time. I get to write songs for... It's a nice change. A life. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the best. It's not. It's no longer just my little hobby in my room. It's something that I get to take out into the world and create. So that's been like the best part for sure. Um, you're, you're, I want to say you're 21. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. And when did, when did you first start writing Lost Boy? Cause it started on, it was like a vine thing and then it sort of grew onto YouTube and then became this hit, but you, it started off as just six seconds of you. When, how old were you when that started to happen? I think when I, when I initially posted the first Lost Boy vine, I was 19. Yes, I was, yeah, I was 19 and I was kind of just hanging out in my room, my piano room, just playing random chords and. I'm a lost boy from Neverland, usually hanging out with Peter Pan, kind of just blurped out of me, and that was kind of the beginning of the just song. Just blurped out. Yeah. That's I, the best way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you ever expect, I mean, I know, I'm sure everyone has asked you this question, but did you ever expect that, you know, lost boy, just that sort of inspiration would turn into, you know, a major label album you know, at, was that any? Was that your? Was that the dream goal to like get signed to a label and put out an album? Was that always in your mind? No, it wasn't. Mostly because I didn't even know that that's what you were like. I didn't even know what a label really was before any of this. <laughs> like I just knew that I liked music and I wanted to do it with the rest of my life. Um, but when I was posting vines, it was more just for fun. Like I never thought that this is gonna lead to anything big because it was just these six second videos so even when i started gaining followers like i remember being like this can't be real this is why for six seconds but um it was just fun and it was like a little thing i could do after school and it helped me kind of learn how to create these lines that would eventually turn into songs how many instruments do you play because you play piano do you play anything else no i did play flute at one point but not anymore. <laughs> uh, can you, can you, if, if someone gave you a flute and said you have to play, would you be able to do anything with I it? I think I would. Maybe like a hot cross buns. Right. Like a really good rendition. Yeah. I think I could play the recorder still yes. if someone really forced wow. me to. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's about Throwing as, it back. <laughs> that's about as adept as I get in, in terms of instruments. Um, well, Safe Haven was released on May 5th. Mm-hmm. Um, how does it feel now that the album has been sort of released into the wilds and people can hear it? How do you feel now that it's out there and people can listen to it? It's very relieving. Uh, I felt like this like burden had been kind of lifted off my shoulders because I've I've been living with these songs for a while, and I really always wanted people to know that there was more to me than just Lost Boy. So just the fact that that's out there now, and if someone wants to listen, they can, means a lot to me, and I'm excited. I'm really loving the response, and I'm just excited that people are kind of connecting with the songs. That's all that really matters. Um, the new album was completely written by yourself, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Just like Lost Boy was. Yeah. Um, that's fairly unusual by today's you know pop standards uh, for an artist to solely write an album on their own. Was that something that you were particularly focused on and keen on doing, like making sure that it was your baby and that it was all you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I kind of thought that's the way it always was. And so it was surprising <laughs> for me to even learn that 
that's not the way it is. And so it was just something that I thought was important for me to write. And I, I just wanted to be very proud of this whole thing. And I knew that the only way that was going to happen for me was if these were all my stories and if I meant everything that I sang. So it was important. And I'm, I'm really glad with the way it all turned out. So, so, so far in this, in this conversation, I've learned that um, you didn't really know what a label was. Yeah. And you didn't really know that it was sort of normal that people would collaborate with other people to write music. Yeah. Um, so when you were younger um, and you had some of your own favorite artists, did you like look at the liner notes to see anything about them or did, was that like... No, all I, I used to watch a lot of interviews like on YouTube or right. YouTube. I would like Google or whatever, read interviews, but I never checked like who wrote it just never i just always assumed like if you're singing it that you wrote this um, you would be mighty surprised i know <laughs> i guess i was kind of naive but i don't know that's i it's, it's fine like if you sing it and you convey it that's great right but for me i just i know that like i'm not very good at it's like writing for me is like writing in a diary so i just i couldn't imagine sitting with someone and being like okay like this and that like it's here's just, what i'm thinking let's yeah, write something together it's very intimate so it was just important that i was as honest as i could be and i knew that was the only gonna happen if i did it myself it, it, it's actually it's interesting because you know someone like adele you know who writes from the heart is very yeah. personal mm-hmm. and i think she writes probably most of her lyrics i yeah. suppose but i think she probably needs some guidance and assistance with you know the the, the music portion yeah. like the the melodies and the, that's thing yeah um what's great about you is that you kept it all self-contained i mean you do have producers working with you on the album obviously but um also what's amazing is that you get all the publishing and you keep all that money (laughs) since i'm just saying hey hey, that's a nice perk on the side um how many songs did you end up writing before you ended up with the final 12 are you the type of artist that you know you've got like pages and pages of like songs and songs or is it like no we've got these dozen songs and this is how i feel yeah, I think by that time, so I had been writing for about a year and a half, like a, the first song I wrote was Lost Boy, so in that year, I think I had written like 20, 21 songs, mm-hmm. and um, I knew that I wanted it to be 12, so it was more just about picking between those 20, and it wasn't that, it wasn't as hard, just because I felt like these 12 together made the best like end story together. Why, why was 12 the number you were fixing on? Someone told you it had to be 12 songs for no, an album? No, <laughs> no. It was, I just, I don't know. Like, I always, I don't like the number 13. So I knew I didn't want it to be 13. Right. And I knew I didn't want it to be 10. So it was 11 or 12, and I just, I like 2. So 12 made sense. It's funny how th- things like this, like, sometimes it's just, like, a superstition, or yeah. there's not really a great reason. Yeah. You could have been, like, you could have said, well, I'm really into numerology. And yeah, 12, right? it's a cosmic Imagine. number or something weird. I don't know. Um what is the songwriting process for you like? Is it just, you know, you doodling in your diary and then you try to find a piano bit that goes with yeah. it? Or Yeah, it's definitely changed. Um, when I first started, it was just like lyric, melody right there together. And there was no, there was no, and I, I had to be at the keyboard. But now it's kind of diverse. Like I write just about anywhere. I could be on a plane or in my room, a hotel, wherever. And uh, it's more just about, the lyrics first now for me and then kind of seeing what melody comes with it but um it's yeah for me it's just it's always about just being honest and like if I'm feeling it right there like putting it in a paper even if it doesn't sound like I'm trying to get away from rhyming I feel like that's always been a huge part of my writing like I need to make sure everything rhymes but now I'm trying to be like okay just if it makes sense it makes sense it doesn't have to rhyme right away 
do, do then at some later point do you try to make it rhyme or do you just like no if it works it works and it doesn't it, have to it usually it just they come in rhymes and now i, I want to because i a lot of the music i listen to doesn't rhyme and i love it and i, I some of the stuff i do it does rhyme and i love it also and it's it's funner for me when it rhymes because it's like a puzzle and i have to actually sometimes think about it but it sometimes it might hinder me from just saying what i want to say because it's like no that doesn't work mm-hmm. so i just kind of I, I, for album two, I really want to like have most of it. Maybe. Album two. Yeah, I'm already thinking like that. I'm crazy, but have a lot of music that doesn't rhyme as much. I'm sure your label's just like, we just put out that first I know. album. I Let's know. focus on this one. Um, is there anyone that you would like to work with? I mean, though you write everything on your own, are there like, do you have like favorite artists or people that you would love to try to work with or collaborate with in some fashion, be it on stage, in a performance, or you know, in a studio? Um, I always say I love Stevie Wonder, so that would be, just to even watch him kind of do his thing would be amazing, so, yeah, that's, like, a huge dream. I'm like, just to be in the same room with Stevie Wonder, frankly. seriously, honestly, like, just watch him play a little bit, like, that'd be so cool. Do you, do you have, like, a lot of his music, were you, like, when you were younger, did you get educated about his music? Yeah, when my parents, when they immigrated from Ethiopia to Edmonton, they started, that's when they kind of started listening to a lot of music, so... When my brother and I heard music, it was either Stevie Wonder or, like, Michael Jackson and, like, that kind of stuff. So I, I I always loved his music, and I really appreciated his piano playing. That's when I started playing piano lessons. Like, I would watch his videos all the time and just be fascinated, and I always wanted to, like, move as quickly as him. So, yeah. You had solid upbringing with Michael and Stevie. Yeah. Yeah. The best. The kings. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this has been lovely. Yes. Thank um, you so much. Thank you so much for coming in, and make sure to check out Ruth B's new album, Safe Haven, which yeah. is out now. <laughs> Go check it out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a lost boy from Neverland, usually hanging out with Peter Pan. And when we're bored, we play in the woods, always on the Thank you again to the lovely Ruth B for making the time to drop by and chat with us. She she was lovely, by the way, and she's she's so young, and I'm still sort of flabbergasted that she she wrote the entire new album totally on her own. Um, I mean, she I mean, she had kids her, these days, kids these days. I mean, and and also in that interview, as you just heard, she's like she didn't realize like that you that people wrote songs with other people. She just assumed that you just wrote them on your own. Well. Back in the day, a lot of people did do that. She and she didn't. <laughs> she she didn't even know like what labels were like a few years ago. Oh man! Like she, she's like, I guess I'm sort of naive. I'm like, I, girl, I guess you are. But she's still doing it. I, as I joked, I'm like, yeah, but you get all that publishing for yeah. all those songs on your own. <laughs> exactly. Well, next up, we've got an interview with Allie X. Uh, Pop Shop listeners might already be familiar with her work without even necessarily knowing it, as she co-wrote half of Troy Sivan's first full-length album, Blue Neighborhood, including the top 40 charting Hot 100 hit, Youth. Allie X recently released her new album, Collection 2, which also happens to feature a co-write from Savan. So uh, it's also getting great notices from the likes of uh, Time and Slant. And uh, anyway... It's, it's just a really good album. Yeah. You should definitely check it good out. Good word of mouth. Good word of mouth. And everyone on my Twitter timeline, as I told Allie, is just loving it. Um, Allie recently came by our New York office and did a Facebook Live performance. And while she was there, we thought we'd grab her for the pop shop. So we connected with her through the magic of technology, <laughs> a.k.a. a phone, and chatted with her about the new album, writing music, how she got together with Savan, and much more. So here's our interview with Allie X. <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Ali X, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I am spiffy. Um, I've actually <laughs> been listening to your album for a little bit now. Um, actually, friends of mine on Twitter for like the past few weeks have been like going on and on about you. And I'm just like... I'm, <laughs> Which I, friends? What... Very good, important friends. Um, well, like people that I trust <laughs> about people that I trust about music. Um, yeah, and I'm Some like pop gurus, basically. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, that's I've, good news. I, I've been missing the boat, and uh, I I got on the AliEx train, and I'm like, yes, I have missed the boat, and also <sighs> like a lot of like publications like Time and Slant, and a lot of like you know blogs have been just like really really excited about the album what has it been like hearing from folks and you know critics i suppose but what has it been like getting the feedback about the album it must be pretty gratifying i would imagine yeah it has been very gratifying um it took a very long time to put the album together and there's so much sort of um guesswork involved and and sort of stumbling through the dark you know in, until you you find something and then all you can really trust is yourself you have like you know label people and executives and whatever giving you their opinion but ultimately it all comes kind of down to you to make that final decision or at least in my case so yeah it's nerve-wracking putting it out and I, I've been very happy with the response especially from the fans that's that's really what matters the most and and um and they all seem to to really love it and to be kind of uh, lost in it and, and brought into the X world. So it's great. Um, I you, you said something about like stumbling through the dark, and and that's I. It's funny. I was actually going to specifically ask you about something that kind of references what you just said because I was watching, I was scrolling through your Twitter feed as one does when they're mm-hmm. preparing for interviews, and <laughs> you were talking about. Uh, someone was asking you about the writing process for you, and you said, um, "Were you described writing as quote scrambling through the dark, like in a joking way?" Um, yeah, yeah. Is that what songwriting is like for you? Because you kind of described it as like you know, it comes in bits and pieces. It's not necessarily like a very sort of structured thing necessarily. Yeah, it's funny because I live in a place where songwriting is as structured as can be. Um, as you probably know, Los Angeles is, it's, um, I don't mean to keep saying this in a demeaning way because I've said this in a bunch of interviews, but it's a machine. It's a, it's a pop writing machine. And usually you're, it's all organized. You're put in a room at a certain time with certain writers and producers and, and you're supposed to leave with a song at the end of the day. Um, and so, you know, ever since I've been in LA, I've become kind of accustomed to that. But where I started with writing was quite the opposite. It, it, it is if I'm left by myself, yeah, I'll spend months, years, uh, you know, writing and, and finishing production on a song until I get it right. And I think with this album, I got kind of confused uh, by my new environment, and I thought that I would be writing the album in the way that I write songs, just in general, to pitch to other artists, and. You know, it wasn't until I stepped away that I realized that 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 doesn't work for me as an artist. I still need to do it in my very sort of, uh, yeah, stumbling through the dark kind <laughs> of way. What was and, that? And 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 that's how I got. You know, I think some of the best songs on the album. I was going to say it must have been like really freeing for you to kind of have that revelation and be like, you know what? Actually, this isn't this this isn't the way it's supposed to work for me for my own project. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, um. Yeah. 
on the on the album there's a song that i i really really like a lot and it's called casanova um oh thanks it it has like this this like plucky little like kind of like disco beat and your mm-hmm. vocals on the chorus i guess this may be technically like the pre-chorus i suppose where you kind of hit those really like high notes um it's just a really really cool song can you talk about where the song came from and how you wrote it and just tell me everything about it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that is a song that i actually wrote in an la session with a writer um his name's coffee he's he's part of the monsters and strangers i don't know if you know them but um yeah we had a. Uh, we had just a loop going, the just the dun 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 dun. We added the the swing later, um, and yeah, it it happened really quick that that idea. And uh, I have to give coffee credit for the Casanova fucked me over thing. <laughs> that was a stroke of genius. And I was and I was just like yes. I remember like we were just sort of like we're really into it and just really vibing. And I think the the whole song was written in about an hour. Wow. Um, I have sort of a an image of like a the whole time we were writing it I had an image of like uh someone I'd say a girl yeah a girl in like a long dress uh on the edge of a cliff like in the the middle of the night with sort of glowing blue dice or some sort of like rock in her hand (laughs) and that's still kind of like what I think what I think of when I talk about the song that funny when you say that it reminds me of um for some reason, the this and this reference may be lost on you, but the Eurythmics um, "Here Comes the Rain Again" video, where, where Annie Lennox is like on a cliff, like somewhere in uh-huh. England, and she's in a nightgown, and it's in the middle of the night, and she's Amazing. holding a um, like a lantern, and she's walking through the dark, singing "Here Comes the Rain Again," and it's very cinematic. And that a lot of the songs yeah. on your album have this kind of like sort of soundscape quality to it, you know, where it's kind of sounds like it's just you feel like you're in kind of a place uh, when you hear the music, you, you kind of feel mm-hmm. transported in a way. Was d- Does that kind of roll through your head when you hear the songs now? Do you feel like you're kind of taken to another place? Okay, few different answers here. First of all, Sorry. I'm <laughs> such an Annie Lennox fan. I've never seen that video, but I love that song. Um, number two, what you just said was like, that's like the highest compliment that you could pay me um, that you, you get pulled into that, that sort of world because that is my intention and, and that is the way that um, I go about making the work. So um, thank you. And did you, what was the last part? Did you say, was that my intention? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you hear the music, when you hear these songs, you feel like you, you kind of feel like you're transported. You feel like you're in a different place. You know, was that, I, I'm assuming that was the intention to kind of feel yeah, like you've been it, it, taken somewhere else. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, and and that and that is what what um, being an artist does for me. And I think that I think that creativity and art is the greatest escape we have from all the uh, chaos and confusion of the world. And so that is sort of you know what it means to me, and hopefully what it does for the people that listen to the work that I make. There's a lot of um, on the album. There's it, it's like very varied, very varied. Wow, um, very varied, uh, very varied. Um, it, it is incredible. <laughs> it is incredibly varied. There we go. Because um, you know you, you'll have like a contemplative moment, and then you'll have like sort of a, a dancey, upbeat moment. Um, w- mm-hmm. Were you consciously thinking of that to, t- to kind of like find the right balance and the flow? Because it's a tight album. It's ten tracks. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. it, there's, it's, it's like all killer, no filler. Like, were you kind of thinking of that as you were putting the album together? That kind of... All killer, no filler. Well, I you love know that. what I mean. You know what I mean. Well, I mean, again, thank you for for that compliment. That means that means a great deal. Um, this was, I mean, I've written probably fifty songs, demos wow. that that I was considering for this album um, at one time or another. When I was I was on a, a flight to Denmark to a, a writing camp in as one does late September <laughs> as one does as one does uh, well actually as one does yeah <laughs> when you're a writer well, um, for you yes for me not so much but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I was on this long ass flight to Denmark and like stopped in I think Iceland and I was like, okay, on this flight I am going to decide the track listing for this mm-hmm. up because I have I have an iTunes folder full of songs and I need I need to like just even just for my own head to get this straight, I'm gonna narrow it down. And I narrowed it down to fifteen songs on that mm-hmm. flight, you know. And then um I I came back and I said about finishing the production with um, this guy, Jordan Palmer. And from there, yeah, you know, there were just there were uh, songs where we couldn't crack the production. And there were songs that I started to realize weren't fitting the overall vibe. Um, and yeah, and, it, and from there, it kind of just we, we attempted to finish ones. And then when we, we'd given it a really good attempt and it wasn't working, I sort of was like, OK, let's let's cut the fat, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's that's how I ended up at, at the 10. Wow. I also feel like as a as a smaller artist, like I don't I never do encores. I, I don't want to I don't want to give people so much that they get bored. You know, I want it. I want it to be concise and strong execution with everything i do it's funny like i've 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 been a i've been around long enough to hear um you know back you hear it you sorry let me step that back a little bit um yeah in the olden days when people would have <laughs> to restrict their album to just a piece of vinyl um mm-hmm. you know they only had like what was it like 36 minutes or something or 38 minutes at the most right right you know so it's like you had like when you listen to Fleetwood Mac's rumors it's like it's every single track is like perfect and you you have yep. to make those decisions and now it's like we have this luxury of having like unlimited amounts of time it's like oh man yeah, sometimes yeah. you just quality control kids come on um totally so I and mean, shorter attention spans well, yeah, there's that too. I mean, it's like, I mean, but you know, you have to, it's that struggle of like, you want to give the fans and you know, you want to give as much of your work out there as possible, but at the same time you want to mm-hmm. find the right balance. So anyway, yeah, that was, that was a slight, you know, uh, I went off the rails there, but, um, I want to ask one No, more. it's an interesting conversation. <laughs> yes. I, but I want to fo- keep it focused back to the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I okay. noticed that uh, Troy Sivan uh, co-wrote a song on your album. Troy Sivan, who's a friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. who's been on the show a couple times. Um, oh, cute. He, he wrote a song called Vintage. And you also actually, for people listening, Ali wrote like half of Troy's last album. Um, how did mm-hmm. you get connected with Troy? Was it like one of those things where you described earlier, where it was literally like you set up in a room with Troy Sivan, like, here, write a song? No, and I feel like if that had happened, we might have not had such a fruitful uh, <laughs> artistic relationship. Yeah, um, it was actually a combination of Twitter DM. Wow, <laughs> and um, and Leland, who you're probably aware of him, Brett McLaughlin. I am. Yes, yeah, he's like superstar writer now. Um, he wrote a ton w- on my album, and we've we've written a lot for Troy and other artists, and and 
yeah, he has like Selena Gomez's next single, I think. Um, anyway, Troy was he was already friends with Brett, um, and so I think like it was a combination of Troy and I saying we we should work together on Twitter, and then Brett sort of making it happen, um, and uh, and we also work with this this producer named Bram, and it was sort of just one of those things where like it was the synergy of the four of us in a room together. And there was no sort of, um, there was no feeling of like, we got to write a single for this kid. You know, it was more like Troy. Exactly. Some guy with a cigar comes in and says, there's money rolling right in on this or something. Exactly. And, and I, and I feel like others that worked with Troy, I don't know if this actually happened, but I feel like the attitude was probably more like, he's this new guy. He's got a huge YouTube following. Let's write him a single, you know, and that's not how Troy likes to work. Right. He's very creatively involved. He doesn't care about being on the radio. Um, he just has, he has a, a, a lot that he wants to say. And, and, um, that's how we approached the songs, you know, and, and, and that's, I think why the album turned out so special. Well, I mean, and you can actually hear like when you listen to, like, if you're a fan, like for folks listening, if you're a fan of, Troy Sivan and Blue Neighborhood, you know, you'll really appreciate Ali's album as well because it has that kind of like intimate quality, um, but it's like still very cool and interesting. And like the sounds that you hear throughout the album are just, they constantly sort of surprise you. So, I mean, they're both great listens. Thank you so much. So go listen to both albums. Go listen to Ali. Go see her. Eventually, you're going on tour at some point down the road, right? You haven't announced dates, but they're coming, I think. Is that what you've said recently? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much true. You're like, we have to be very (laughs) oblique about that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't want to raise expectations or anything until it's confirmed, confirmed. Absolutely. Well, this has been lovely. Thank you so much for doing this. And um, I wish you nothing but continued success in the future. Oh, thank you so very much. Thank you again, Allie X, for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, make sure to check out her new album, Collection 2, and especially the song Casanova. It is so, so good. I believe, Katie, we have reached that time. Oh, man. I know. <laughs> uh, it is... The time of the season for ending the podcast. Do you feel like in honor of our guest today that we should go by Keith C and Katie A? Sure. <laughs> it was funny. Like that totally just like worked out that we had like two two sing- ladies two ladies with single initial last names. Yeah. That I, I, I wasn't planning that. No. It just sort of worked out that way. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for that, ladies. Well, 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 Katie A. Uh, what <laughs> what song should we go out on? Something oh, that's very sort of female empowerment themed. Like Helen Reddy's I Am Woman. Oh, man. I Taking mean, it too far back there. No, I think that you did it. Let's just do it. <laughs> okay. See you guys next time. All right. Bye. I am woman. Hear me roar. In numbers too big to ignore. And I know too much to go back and pretend. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.